Welcome back to another episode of Win Championship Pete Boston Sports Podcast. And on this episode, we're going to talk about Gallinari and his injury and potential trade targets the Celtics can use to replace him and guys they can go out and get. And then looking at the Donovan Mitchell trade and how that affects the Celtics in terms of where Cleveland fits into the Eastern Conference playoff thing. Then we're going to talk about some potential players on the Red Sox, my five players in Boston that won't be there next year, in my opinion, the top five on the list. And we will go from um, look at those names. And I also want to look at someone who's actually been doing uh, very well for the Boston Red Sox since coming over in a trade that has looked, you know, so much better so far than originally we thought. Um, and so uh, we're going to look at uh, that guy just for a second and, um, you know, some stuff um, involving um, him. And uh, so, um, yeah, let's go from there. So Danilio Gallinari was one of the prized possessions that ended up making his way to Boston this free agency. He was one of those guys who for whatever reason, um, chose the Red Sox as a potential spot and was somebody who Celtics fans really looked forward to having. He was a great veteran, a good three-point shooter, someone who could help us off the bench. But at the end of the day, it didn't seem to go in our favor because Gallinari was playing in the FIBA World Cup, Team Italy, and sustained an injury, torn ACL in his left knee, which um, apparently um, is now causing him to miss the whole season. According to Twitter, the this was put up, uh, quote, This has been a tough week for me as I have learned the extent of my injury, the six foot ten forward. Uh, this game means everything to me and not being able to be on the court with my Celtics teammates hurts. I plan to give everything I can to the Celtics organization, my teammates, as we hunt for a title. Um... I will work tirelessly with the Celtics staff to return on the court as soon as I can, and I appreciate the unwavering support from my fans, my teammates, and the entire NBA family. Um, he is hopeful to um, maybe return to the Celtics by the playoffs, hopefully, um, and who knows what's going to happen from there. So with Gallinari out, that means there's another spot on the roster that they're going to have to fill, potentially. Because if they were planning on having him as someone on the roster as a big piece off the bench, well, now they got to potentially fill that uh, that bench spot. So let's start for a second and look at some of the potential names that could fill this roster as options to take over for him. So I want to look at some of these names, and these are all guys who fit into the trade exceptions that the Celtics have. And I also want to point out that these are guys that the Celtics can acquire using second-round picks. Maybe they'd use first-round picks if they felt like it, but I don't know if they really need to. Um, and I don't know if they want to trade a first-round pick for someone, so I think they're going to potentially look at these guys because they won't cost as much. So let's get into it. This is my list of potential names. And I want to point out that most of these guys are either shooting guards slash small forwards or small forwards or small forward slash power forward type guys who are on the smaller end of the size chart. Um, so here's the list in my opinion. So first is Javante Green, who is currently in Chicago. 
There's obviously the connection with the fact that he did play in Boston before. Seven points, roughly four uh, rebounds, one assist. Not the worst option as a bench piece and someone who has familiarity with, I'm sure, Brad Stevens in this organization. Some of the players. Uh, Mo Harkless in Atlanta. Four points, two rebounds, one assist. Obviously not um, the best player, but as a bench piece, could be a decent wing off the bench. Then we have Jalen McDaniels, who's uh, six points, three uh, rebounds, one assist in Charlotte. Now, they have a bunch of good players on their team. And with Kelly Oubre and Gordon Hayward and the uh, Martin brother, um, I don't really think there's a place for McDaniels right now. So he could be a good option for the Celtics as a potential trade option, whether they trade a second-round pick in cash or uh, something to um, make it happen. Um, he could be an option. Probably one of the best options on my list is Cam Reddish here. New York Knicks, 10 points, 2 rebounds, 1 assist as a former lottery pick. Not too bad of an option. He didn't really get his playing time in New York, and maybe with their roster, he won't. So he could be an option for Boston as a potential um, pick, pick up here. Next is Indiana Pacers, O'Shea Brissett. 9 points, 5 rebounds, 1 assist, roughly. So he could be a good option off the bench. We have, obviously, um, the connection with Indiana with the Brogdon trade. So there's probably a decent enough relationship. They could get something done if it's the right price. Next is in Detroit, Isaiah Livers, who is a young player, 6.5 points, 3 assists, 1 rebound, roughly. Um, and could be a nice um, 3 and D wing, potentially as an option off uh, the bench, um, so uh, we could go there. John Concher, who is I think like 6'5", he's a, uh, f almost like 5 points, 5 rebounds a game guy. Uh, there's a lot of players, a lot of young guys, a lot of mix of talent in Memphis where he could be shuffled into the back of the rotation where he could get a good minutes, get a good uh, amount of playing time in Boston. Then we got two guys in Utah that could benefit the Boston situation. We have Rudy Gay, 8 points, 4 rebounds, 1 assist. And Stanley Johnson, 7.5 points, 3 rebounds, 2 assists. Now, Stanley Johnson was just traded from the Lakers, so I don't know if he is the right now choice. But if they go a little bit in the season, see how it goes, he could be an option as a piece for them. Rudy Gay, probably going to cost you a little bit more. Not much, but he is someone who is a veteran, and I think they'd be willing to get rid of him, especially with this rebuild in Utah. Then we have someone who could be an option, not just because of his name, but also because he's a decent player on a crowded team. Brandon Boston Jr. in the Clippers. 6.7 points, 2 rebounds, 1.5 assists. Um, not a bad option, a young player, given a little bit more playing time, could be a very uh, good addition off the bench. Then we got Najee Marshall, 5.7 points, 2.5 rebounds, 1 assist in New Orleans. Um, maybe he works out. They did get Dyson Daniels in the draft, so I think they're going to have, you know, between Dyson Daniels, Brandon Ingram, Zion, you know, the amount of players they have, I don't know if he'll get his minutes, and so as a potential option, not a bad choice, um, for sure. Uh, then we have Kenta Bates-Diop in San Antonio. San Antonio is a um, blank slate 
because they're kind of trying to paint their own picture. And this guy, I think, is a one-year contract and not a bad option off the bench um, as sort of a um, combo forward. Could be a good option for Boston. A um, little bit better on defense. Not the greatest offensive weapon, but, you know, could be an option for sure. Then we got Aaron Wiggins in Oklahoma City. Now, he averaged with Oklahoma City eight points around three rebounds and one assist, which those numbers obviously could go and probably will go down in Boston just because he won't have as big of a role in Boston, but also, you know, OKC is a rebuilding team and they're going to play all their young guys. He could be a good option off the bench, potentially. And then we have David Nwaba, who is kind of fallen out of favor in a rebuilding uh, Houston team. And I don't think he's the greatest player. Five points, three rebounds, one assist, roughly. But would be, as a bench piece, a good forward combo guy. Um, and none of these guys, to be honest, are being asked to basically play a lot of minutes and be a big part of the team. These would be guys just to fill in Gallinari's role. And honestly, I think Gallinari is better than a uh, majority of these guys. There's a few guys on the list that would probably be a little bit better than Gallinari. Cam Reddish, um, maybe uh, O'Shea Brissett. Um, uh, but majority of these guys are just filling in as sort of a bench piece because I don't know if Sam Hauser can fill in for that Gallinari role. Granted, he's more of a small forward than a small forward power forward like um, Gallinari was, but somebody who can fill in off the bench. Um, I'm sure we're going to find that the roster is going to have a bunch of sort of pieces that need potential um, work. And outside of the core bench pieces, which to me, you have Brogdon and Derek White and Peyton Pritchard and um, also Grant Williams, you know, the rest of the roster is going to need uh, a little bit of work. But I think overall, one of these guys could come in and there are probably other names, but these guys fit trade exceptions. And so I don't see any reason why they couldn't go in this direction. My favorite name on this list is probably O'Shea Brissett. And I think if they can get him for a good price, then I think that's a good option off the bench as someone who could potentially average 8-9 points a game as a backup sort of small forward type guy. Because our wing depth is not as good. We have a lot of guards, um, and I think our wing depth is lacking outside of the starting rotation guys. And Grant Williams is 6'6", but he's more of a, a big-bodied, backup, big-type guy, power forward. Uh, not really your traditional wing, in a sense. So getting in someone who is more of a traditional wing would be ideal for Boston. And so I think that's what they could potentially do. Now, switching gears to our next story involving Donovan Mitchell, who just got traded to the Cleveland Cavaliers. He was traded for... Laurie Marketing, Ochai Abaji, and Colin Sexton in signing trade. Plus three future firsts and two pick swaps. Um, and the future firsts are unprotected. So Cleveland basically made their team a thousand times better. And while New York was involved in potentially a Donovan Mitchell trade, it wouldn't have made them a contender. Cleveland has now become a contender. If you look at their team, it's pretty good. Donovan Mitchell, Kevin Love, Jared Allen, Karius LeVert, Darius Garland, Evan Mobley, Seti Oseman, Isaac Okoro, Ricky Rubio, 
Um, right there, that's a pretty solid core. Plus, you have Robin Lopez um, off the bench as well. Um, this is a pretty solid team. And, yes, they don't have the draft picks that um, most people would um, want them to have for the future. But they also have a ton of second-round picks. Like, the fact is they have a ton of second-round picks coming in the future, many of them from teams outside their own. Um, they have a second this year coming up from Golden State and in 2024, plus a second from Milwaukee in 2025, plus a second in 2026 from the Lakers, plus... In 2027, a second from Denver. So, while they don't have the first-round picks, they have second-round picks to fill their roster if they need to. And Cleveland just got better. So, in my opinion, there was a solidified four. And you could put these teams in any order. Um, I'd probably go Boston, Milwaukee, Philly, and Miami. That's your four, right? Because Boston, they made the finals. There's no question they're a great team. Milwaukee with Chris Middleton back, they're a great team for sure. Philadelphia now with a full season of James Harden, Tyrese Maxey, Joel Embiid, they're a top four. And Miami with Jimmy Butler and Bam and those guys, top four. Now, I always thought that if Brooklyn was healthy, they could be top six, top five, top six. And if Durant is healthy and Kyrie gets his shit together and Ben Simmons actually plays, they could be a easy top five. So you put them right there. Um, and then you have Cleveland. Um, Cleveland was to me, and I'm sure a lot of people, a six, but a question mark of a six, right? I think with Atlanta getting DeJounte Murray um, and some of these other potential teams out there, the Bulls, the Raptors, it didn't really seem like they were a solid six. And you can make the argument that any of Chicago, the Raptors, Cleveland, or Atlanta could be a six seed. Um, they're a solid six right now. They are probably a five in my book. And Brooklyn, because of their question marks, is a six seed. So Cleveland has moved, in my book, to the top five. And Donovan Mitchell is a 25-point-a-game score. Now, obviously, Donovan Mitchell is going to take away points and minutes and possessions and ball handling and uh, touches from the rest of the team. But you got to figure... You know, he takes the place of Colin Sexton. He takes the place of Laurie Marketing. You know, that's going to absorb itself into what his, you know, production's going to be. So I don't really think it's going to be a huge drop-off for this team. I think there are guys off the bench that are going to get um, a lot more uh, playing time because of this move, such as Seti Ozman, Isaac Okoro. Ricky Rubio came in free agency, but he was here before and got traded he was good for them, but the injury caused them to move on. Um, and so at the end of the day, in my opinion, this move is great for them, and it makes them a top-five team. Now, do they have competition with the Celtics? I think so. They're a team that, if they played the Celtics in some sort of playoff scenario, it might be difficult. I don't think it's as difficult of a matchup, in my opinion, as Milwaukee uh, or Philly, or Miami, but they are a team that you can't sleep on anymore, especially because they had Jared Allen, who was an all-star, Darius Garland, who was an all-star, and Donovan Mitchell. And you assume that with Donovan Mitchell coming in, Jared Allen's not going to average 16 and 10. He's probably going to average uh, a little bit less than that, maybe like 13 points, probably going to average more rebounds, because he's going to have to fill 
his rebounds somewhere else. So he might average like 12, 13 rebounds. Uh, just because if Donovan Mitchell is averaging 26 points a game, that means Allen's going to not average as many points. And for Darius Garland, he averaged 21 points and 8.6 assists. My guess is he's probably going to average somewhere in the 18, 17 points a game and maybe closer to 10, if not over 10, assists per game because if Donovan Mitchell is scoring all these points, he's going to have to find ways to get production. So Cleveland's going to be a scary team. Like, they're no joke, and this is great for them. I mean, it's good for the East in competition-wise. It's good for the Celtics because now there's another team that they're going to have to compete with, but I don't think this makes them better than Boston, and I don't really think this is, um, just in my opinion, really going to... Um, really going to make a big uh, a big deal. So at the end of the day, um, I honestly think um, it's good for basketball, it's good for Cleveland, and we'll see what happens. But Boston's a better team still, and it doesn't change anything in that regard. Now let's go to the Red Sox. i got a couple things I want to talk about here. So before I talk about um, the players that I think are going to probably be gone, top five in my opinion, I want to talk about a trade that surprisingly went well so far. Uh, so the Red Sox traded in a odd scenario Jake Diekman to the Chicago White Sox at the deadline for Reese McGuire and a player to be named later. And so that player to be named later is official um, Taylor Broadway, minor league right-hander. Um, this is on NBCSports.com, so I don't know 100% everything about him, but what they say, he was drafted in 2021. Sixth round pick. Um, he was uh, in high A Winston-Salem and was promoted to double A. 4.74 ERA over 49 innings, 37 appearances. Um, 74 batters struck out. Um, and uh, yeah, could be someone who does something. I don't know if he'll ever pan out in Boston, but he is the player to be named later, which is not too bad. Um, so he is a good addition to this team, um, hopefully. Uh, and also what has made this trade even better is Reese McGuire, which Diekman hasn't looked so good for the White Sox. But McGuire, uh, this is um, a few days ago when this article was posted, so it's not a Today article. But he, at the time, hitting .385 for his average, batting average, with a .881 OPS in 17 games since coming to Boston. Diekman has allowed five earned runs in nine innings since joining the White Sox, so we actually got something out of this. McGuire, as a catcher, has been pretty good. Is he Christian Vasquez? No, but he's done pretty solid as an option for Boston, and I think it's not too bad for him. He's been pretty solid with the, the Red Sox, and I think that's um, that's pretty good. So I think, um, you know, he's panned out uh, a decent amount, and I'm not uh, not upset about that one for sure. He is a good player, and, you know, you get what you get. So now what I want to do is look at my list of guys that probably won't be here next year for the Red Sox. These are my top five, and I don't really know if there's an order to this. I'm just going to put them in an order um, just for the sake of going with um, an order. But these are just five guys on my list. So at the bottom, we have Kevin Plawerski, catcher. So I think with the emergence of Reese McGuire and Connor Wong coming up and getting potential catching uh, minutes, or I should say innings, 
Um, and they also have a young catcher, Ronald Doe Hernandez, as an option. I think that Plawerski's time in Boston has ended after this season. Because I think if one of these young guys can turn into the everyday starter, I think Reese McGuire has proven enough that if they want a backup, he could be that backup. And if they need him to start for the time being, then I think he could start for the time being. And so I think he is a, um easy choice for me at the bottom of the list as a guy who I don't really think is going to be here next year. Next on my list is Ryan Brazier. So Ryan Brazier was one of the key relievers in a 2018 championship run for Boston. And while I don't think he has a terrible career and has a terrible relief um, spot for the Red Sox, I just think personally um, he's just not going to be here. I just think that there's a lot of relievers, and if they go out and potentially sign some, I don't see him as an option for the long term with this team. I don't think Matt Barnes is going to be your closer, but I think he'll be a reliever. You have um, a bunch of other guys, Josh Schreiber, Caleb Ward, Matt Strom, Garrett Whitlock. I personally think there's a lot of relievers, um, and I also think that there's a bunch of guys who are younger as starters that could get pushed into the bullpen. They got Brian Bellow, uh, Cutter Crawford, they have Connor Siebold, Josh uh, Wachowski, plus they have um, James Paxton, who hopefully will come back healthy. They have Chris Sale, who hopefully will come back healthy. Um, so there's a bunch of pitchers um, there that could take that reliever spot. So I think Brazier is done after this season. Next on my list is somebody who I don't really think has a future in Boston, and I think for other needs that the team might have, he's going to get moved. And that, to me, is Bobby Dalback. Now, Dalback right now is 27 and has played in Boston for most of his career, his whole career, to be honest. Um, and he is a first base, third base. He plays a little left field. Um, I think Dalback just doesn't have a place with Boston because... They have enough guys in the infield where he's not needed. And I also think that he's not a great first baseman. And I think they're going to try and find a, a first baseman. The only potential saving grace could be if he's a DH. But my guess is Devers is going to fill that potentially. And we're going to talk about J.D. Martinez later on this list. But Dahlbeck just doesn't have a place in Boston. So I think he's going to get traded and he's probably going to leave. Next on the board is a pitcher who I think doesn't have a future with Boston, number two, Nick Pavetta. So he's been since 2020 with the Red Sox. Um, I don't really know if he is an ideal choice for them as a long-term addition um, in the starting lineup as a starting pitcher. Um, I just don't really see his fit here with all these young guys, assuming the Red Sox also try and get maybe like a number one option. Assuming that maybe, I don't know, Nathan Avaldi comes back, they get another pitcher. Let's say Chris Sale somehow can get healthy. Uh, plus you got young guys. I don't see a spot for him. He's just someone I don't think is going to stick around. And then we got my number one on the list is J.D. Martinez. I've already written off J.D. Martinez as a guy for the Red Sox next year. I also think that I've uh, said this before, I think. Um, we're going to have Devers as our 
as our guy, as our DH. I don't see JD as the DH anymore. It just doesn't seem like it's going to happen. Uh, and there are other teams, especially in the NL, uh, that are probably going to go for him. And if they choose to, that's where they uh, will go. So for the Red Sox, I just don't see him as a real option here. I, I don't know if he is the option that they should be looking at keeping long-term. And I don't see him as a great piece long-term. I like him as a Red Sox person, player, and what he's done for the team, but I just don't see him um, as a long-term addition, uh, re-signing here and everything. I just don't think it's going to happen. So, yeah, let's uh, move on from there. Those are my five. Uh Patriots, there's not really much to talk about with them. They had all their cuts. They added a bunch of guys to the practice squad. They also added from the Miami Dolphins, Lynn Bowden Jr. as a wide receiver to the practice squad. Um, there are a lot of players on this team that could, um, you know, fill in as uh, important pieces. I think, you know, there's a lot of good that can come this season. Um and so I kind of just want to talk about, at the end of this uh, episode of the podcast, all of the players that they have on their roster. I want to go by like position, like quarterback, running back, wide receiver, and kind of look at a couple things with each, or one thing for each. So quarterbacks, we have obviously Mac Jones, but the question going into this season is, is he going to make that step forward? Is he going to keep getting better, or is he going to stay at a plateau? And hopefully he gets better. Hopefully he does have a better season. Because I think he is a great player for this team and a good quarterback. And I think it's someone who we should be happy we have. Because he's very, very good. For running backs, you know, who is going to step up as the number one option? Is it going to be Damian Harris? Is it going to be Ramondre Stevenson? Is it going to be the surprise pick in the, I think he was a third or fourth round pick, Pierre Strong Jr.? Well, one of those three step up as the number one option, um, or who will it be? I think it'll probably still be Damian Harris, but all of these guys give you different things, right? Ramondre Stevenson is your LeGarrette Blunt. Your Damian Harris is your, you know, Deion Lewis, your traditional running back. And Pierre Strong Jr. is very fast and could break out for uh, the Patriots this year. And I wouldn't be surprised if he is the draft choice that has the greatest success um, as a rookie for the Patriots. Um, but I'd say Damian Harris is number one. Wide receivers, um, will Nelson Aguilar become unneeded by the end of the season? Uh, they have Jacoby Myers, Devontae Parker, Kendrick Bourne, Tyquan Thornton. Will you know Nelson Aguilar be on the outs with this team? I don't know. He might be. Um, I mean, with injuries, he could get more playing time, but assuming the four-core they actually are healthy, then they might potentially move on from him uh, and maybe go out there and get somebody else. Tight ends, there's only two of them. Are they going to go out there and find a third, or are they going to hope that the two of them will work out together? Now, I think they're going to hopefully find a third tight end because if you try and use this two tight end system that uh, Belichick is known for, what if someone gets hurt? So you need another option as a tight end. And they do have guys on the practice squad. Um, but I just personally think that they're going to um, 
at this point, stick with these two, and hopefully they can bring in another guy. I think they need that for sure. Offensive line, I guess my sort of thoughts right now and my question or sort of what I think here is there isn't really one standout. Um, my hope is that Cole Strange can prove his first-round worth. Um, Isaiah Wynn could get traded. He was thrown out there as uh, an option, but he is uh, sticking around past the cuts. So, you know, I don't think they're going to keep him long-term, but he could be an option short-term just for this season. Um, someone's going to have to step up as the clear number one because I don't know if they have one right now. Um, and uh, maybe, I guess, David Andrews would be their number one. Um, I don't know, but uh, I guess we'll have to see what happens moving forward. So, um, defensive line, um, for me, uh, what do we got? Uh, who's going to have to step up and surprise everyone this season? My number one choice of a surprise potential is Dietrich Wise. I think Christian Barmore, we know what we're getting. Davon Godchuk, know what we're getting. Lawrence Guy, we know what we're getting. But Dietrich Wise could be a very surprising option as a extra lineman uh, for this team, and I think he could be a surprise stepping up uh, for sure. Edge slash outside linebacker, um, we have Matthew Judon, Josh Uchi, Efrani Jennings, Demarcus Mitchell. Um, I think we have a lot of talent here, and I think, you know, Matthew Judon's obviously going to be a Pro Bowl guy. Um, yeah, I think uh, there's not really much to say here. We know what we're getting out of these guys, um, and that's kind of where I think uh, they are at the moment. Um, inside linebackers, we have Jawan Bentley, Raekwon McMillan, Mac Wilson, Jahai Tavai. Um, who's going to be the biggest surprise, uh, either in a good way or a bad way? I'd go Mac Wilson. I think he's going to have a great season for us, and he's going to blow everyone out of the water for sure. Then we have our cornerbacks. We have Jalen Mills, Jonathan Jones, Miles Bryant, Sean Wade, Jack Jones, Marcus Jones. So who is going to take the number one spot with J.C. Jackson away and now in Los Angeles with the Chargers? So my number one to fill that spot is Jalen Mills. But a surprise option comes from the draft, Jack Jones, who was a, um, I believe he was a fourth or fifth round pick. I think he was a fifth round pick. Um, and he seems like someone who, given a bigger role with New England this year as a rookie, um, could surprise a lot of people. He dropped in the draft because of some off-field stuff, but he could be a very good player and could be a surprise as their number one, which I don't know if he'll get there, but don't be surprised because there isn't a number one right now, and so they got to see what they can get with everyone. Their safeties, they got a few of them. Devin McCourty, Kyle Duggar, Adrian Phillips, Jabril Peppers, Joshua Bledsoe. Um, Devin McCourty is getting older. Who is going to be his potential replacement outside of Kyle Duggar for the long-term future? Um, I don't really know if they have one at the moment, but I think their number one is Kyle Duggar, Devin McCourty's number two, and then their third is Adrian Phillips in that order. Then we got special teams. Uh, we have Matthew Slater, Cody Davis, Brendan Schuler, Nick Folk, Jake Bailey, Joe Zarnota. Um... Is there any question marks here? Not really. This is what we expected um, in terms of the kicker, punter, long snapper, and, you know, we have um, Brendan Schuler was an undrafted rookie who made the initial roster um, over Justin Bethel, who was a pro bowler. Um, and, you know, I think uh, 
this is what Belichick does, and he could have a good sort of um, good sort of future with this team. And who knows where he's going to go? Jake Bailey's got his new contract, so that's great. Nick Folk obviously is older, so I don't know his future in New England, but he could be a very good option as a kicker long term um, if he keeps going at this pace. But as I said, he is older, so they might have to look for someone in the future.